This is episode 31 of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi there. Thanks for joining us today. This episode is the second podcast covering our January series on the Kindred Mom blog called Self-Care for Moms. And the following interviews narrow in on the proactive pursuit of wellness, offering some different perspectives about the role of and the need for self-discipline in our lives. In the first segment, we hear from Marilyn Song Harry, as well as some of my Kindred Mom team members, Lynn Patty and Jennifer Van Winkle. And Marilyn Song shares about her fitness journey that she embarked on after having five children. I wanted to mention that she also wrote a series of essays that we featured on the Kindred Mom blog last week, and they are so full of encouragement and practical tips if you have personal fitness goals and want to get started on your own transformational journey, they're a great place to start. The second segment features writer and mama Emily Green and Kindred Mom team member Sarah Allard. I want to mention from the outset that we had a few issues with the audio, but despite the challenges, it's a really rich conversation. Together we talk about learning how to listen to our bodies and make daily faithful choices to nourish ourselves while we care for our little ones. You can find everything that you need in the show notes for this episode. Let's begin. So, Song, thank you for being here. Um, I would love for you to begin by sharing just a little bit about who you are and your family, and then we'll jump into your journey after that. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Em. I even poured myself a cup of tea so I could feel like I'm just talking with a friend and chatting over coffee or tea. So, um, yes, I am a mama of five kiddos, four of which were born in a very short amount of time. And then we had a little bit of a breather for our fifth and I've uh, been married 12 years to my wonderful husband, Matthew, who is a business owner and plumber mm-hmm. in our small town here in Eastern Washington. But we have lived all over um, the U.S. We spent several years in the Midwest, as well as Seattle and Portland um, Mm -hmm. for brief interludes there. And now we're settled into our tiny town and loving life, homeschooling our kids. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. This month that we are going through the self-care series and really wanting to talk in this episode about a proactive pursuit of wellness. And so last week on the blog, we shared a couple of essays that you had written about your journey, which I found incredibly inspiring and impactful. And so I want to read a quote from that. And then I would love to have the other ladies jump in with some questions and thoughts about what we have learned from you through this journey and your essays. Mm. This quote um, is one of my favorites from part one of that series. And it says, transformation only truly begins for the one who places high value on her worth. It is extremely difficult to properly strengthen and feed our bodies if we don't first honor the worth and beauty of the woman within. Because if we despise her, no amount of pounds lost or sizes down or exercise regimens or plastic surgeries or fad diets will help. We may look better in a bikini, but it will never be enough because we never valued our beautiful selves to begin with. Okay, are we crying already or? (laughs) That's so awesome. Tears are welcome. (laughs) So I want to start by just saying I have watched you go from being what I will just call with love and respect an average mom. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Um, totally. That has really prioritized and and changed the course of your health journey because of just a simple decision and then the follow through that came after that. I would love for you to talk a little bit about what led you to want to embark on that journey. Yeah, well, um, as many mamas out there, I think can relate. Uh, I was postpartum pregnant and or breastfeeding for a decade. So I did not in that time figure out how to do much more than simply survive. And during those wonderful harrowing years, (laughs) there was just Mm -hmm. so much I could prioritize, but I longed to 
feel strong and to have energy. <laughs> and I wanted to feel better in my clothes and feel cute and feel womanly. And I was just feeling very lethargic and squishy and overwhelmed. And mm-hmm. it was just kind of, I came to a point where I was like, you know what, I, this is probably if I don't do something who I am forever, if I, and I need to, um, to somehow get past this and and make a life choice that will enable me to fulfill the dreams that I have. I want to be energetic. I want to be strong. And um, I was also seeing a lot of things in my family. Um, My dad uh, was diagnosed diabetic. My grandmother came down with breast cancer and, you know, not all those things you can avoid with fitness and nutrition, but it sure, it sure does help. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of where I, where I was and where I was coming from before I made this life transformation. So Song, when you were talking about just your, your story, you were talking about (laughs) breastfeeding or having little people Mm -hmm. for a decade, which is, which is a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. (laughs) To be doing that. And I can totally understand the whole survival thing and just feeling like I don't have any time to put into anything other than the Mm -hmm. bare minimum of what it takes to keep my household running Mm -hmm. and to keep my people taken care of. So my question was, how old was your youngest? Because, because the way that you phrased it was sort of like you, you were kind of done having kids for the time being Mm -hmm. and you could, then you had space to make this this choice, this yes. of life change. Yes. And so I was just wondering like how, how much time between survival mode and feeling like you could make that choice to make a change. Mm-hmm. How, how long did it take you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's going to be different for everybody. And in the essays, I, I really spoke pointedly to the postpartum mamas out there that might be feeling pressure, be feeling so insecure with that jelly belly that we all have after we give birth. And, you know, it's post your postpartum body is, is just, it is what it is. And you have your up at night breastfeeding. And I really encourage moms not to try to do something as transformational and all consuming as, you know, overhauling your fitness and nutrition uh, when you're in that space, because it's just a sweet and fleeting and precious time to be investing into that newborn and to be soaking mm. it all up. And so I really think it's a mistake to try to overhaul something like that when you've got an infant. And so I personally didn't, wasn't able to really get the bandwidth for this until my youngest was two. Mm-hmm. Some mamas might be able to figure it out before I did, or maybe it takes longer for others. I don't, I don't know. But for me, it was, I was like, I wasn't breastfeeding anymore. She was sleeping through the night. All my kids were sleeping through the night. All my kids. That was amazing. I'm a whole new woman. So I had some strength and I got to the point at, at that time where I realized, you know what, I can't afford not to, you know, like I need this right. in my life to the point that it's not going to take away and make, and make, me more busy and make me feel more overwhelmed. It's going to make, give me strength for this task. And I can't afford to avoid this any longer. Absolutely. And was that transition easy? Was it hard? Was it I mean, was it, I mean, <laughs> nothing. Like, it was certainly was not easy, and please don't I, say that it's easy. <laughs> that would just I, be so bad. <laughs> I would probably call BS on anybody that says it's ever easy because it's really not. Especially, I mean, for me, I was coming even as a teenager um, from a non-athletic background. I did not have muscle memory to go back on and to remember, oh, remember that time when I could run a half marathon and I, you know, whatever. I, I wasn't like that. And so, as I said in one of my essays, it was, um, you know, a bit like flinging flab for a month (laughs) and just, you know, it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. I was sore all the time and I did not have anything to go on. I could not do even one push up, and it was weeks before I could. And I also didn't see any weight loss for the first month Mm -hmm. because I was building muscle mass. It can be very defeatist, very defeating. And I was grateful. I think the thing that got me through that first month was this friend that had kind of gotten me started on this whole thing. And I can't say enough about that. Just 
having a community, having a, a, an accountability partner or somebody that will just cheerlead for you and say, you can do this. I got your back and I'm going to check in with you every few days, see how you're doing. I've really personally needed that. And being a people pleaser, a bit of one. Um, <laughs> I need, I just needed that little oomph because I didn't want to disappoint her. I didn't want to let her down. And I also mm. just knew that she was, she had my best in mind. And so that was integral because she was also a fitness uh, person herself. And so she was able to tell me you're building muscle mass right now. That's going to make your body more efficient at burning fat in the long haul. So it's not bad. This is normal and this is okay. And just keep at it and keep at it. And, and sure enough, after a while it, it, I saw, I saw my body just begin to transform and, um, I was able to lift more. I was able to endure longer. Um, I was able to try out different kinds of workouts and succeed in, in several different areas. And, and I definitely saw my nutrition choices. That was a big, that's just as big as exercising. It's huge. And so, um, it was, it was a wonderful experience and it was an empowering experience. Song, I get a question for you. So I want you to take us to a, a morning or I'm not sure when you work out, but maybe, you know, three to six weeks into the process when the honeymoon is over yeah. and <laughs> you have established this routine, mm-hmm. but it is cold in the morning or you are tired in the morning or you don't feel well or um, any one of these excuses that I could make up right now. What were the things that got you over the hump? to get you to the mat. Yeah. Because that hump is a big deal. If you don't get past that hump, cause you're always going to, you know, get excited about something. You might be able to go for three weeks or even two months and you're just going, going strong. And then inevitably everybody comes to that hump and Mm -hmm. it's, that's the make or break time really. And because that's the time that if you can get over that, then you've established a habit, you've established a lifestyle and not just, you know, a, a fad, you know, experience that comes and goes with your hormones and whatever number is on the scale. You have to come have a motivation that is longer um, lasting. And so for me, when I think the thing, the key for me in starting out on this journey of uh, transformation was that I determined that whatever I did, whatever I started doing, I wasn't going to stop. So I, that means I don't give up sugar for the rest of my life because that would be unrealistic and I would be miserable. So I'm going to give up most sugar and I'm going to give up most white flour or whatever and whatever your choices are and just and work incrementally and then start telling yourself, you know, okay, this is how much ice cream I get from now on. There will no longer be a time when I can pile three giant scoops of ice cream and chocolate sauce all over a this <laughs> right. big bowl of ice cream. That's you not are, allowed. You're any, ruining all my dream life. song. You're ruining my dreams right now. <laughs> I know, but I one by one. <laughs> but I started to come to the point where I enjoyed the small amount and I savored it and it was a treat and it was something that I, I was, it was still part of my life. I still had chocolate, dark chocolate every day. Hello. That was you know non-negotiable. <laughs> and so, you know, I just determined that whatever I did, started doing, I needed to make sure it was realistic to keep doing for the long haul. And so working out, eating certain, a certain way, that having that mindset before I got to the hump was what helped me get over that hump. And once, and honestly, once I got over that, that, um, you know, three months, three, four month period, I didn't have to, you know, argue with myself at six 30 in the morning. Should I get out of bed? Should I work out today? It was like, Nope, this is what I do now. And hmm. I was able to get past that hump, but that hump is a hard one to get over. And it's, it's a very real thing that you're going to have to confront if at some point, if you embark on a journey like this. So, you know, we've talked maybe about those first three months, like the hardest transition when you're doing something like this. So now I think for you, it's been two years since, has it been two years? Yeah. About two and a half actually. Yeah. Yeah. So just briefly tell us about how the seasons have looked for you. Um, Mm -hmm. like, like in those, 
uh, remaining whatever, two years and three months. Like, you know, you're not going as hard, I'm sure, as you were those first few months. No, no, I was and I was probably a little too intense. (laughs) I was so afraid at the beginning that I was going to quit if I took even one day off that I was like every day, seven, six, seven days a week for, for like the first month and a half, which I would never recommend to anybody. But that was, that was me being afraid that I was going to give up and that this was going to go away. And so Um, I have slowly, I've adapted. I mean, I've done, um, you know, four days in a row, three days off. I've done Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then tried to squeeze in something over the weekend. I've done, uh, just every day except take off Wednesdays and Sundays. And I, I may, I work about, work out about four days a week now. Um, (laughs) and I've tried different things in different seasons of my life. And I've also taken breaks. I've taken vacations. I had a period of personal loss earlier this year where I just needed some bereavement time. And so I took that off and no guilt there, but I also had it in the back of my mind. This isn't forever. This is just, you know, for a little bit and I'm going to hop back on the wagon. Cause at that point, at, at some point it becomes something that's life giving to you and not something that you feel like, Oh, I just dread this. This is horrible. You right. know, like you eventually right. start to get to a place where you're like, I'm looking forward to feeling good and I'm looking forward to those endorphins working. I'm looking forward to not feeling crappy about myself. And that really helps, um, working out really gives you those, those feel good emotions too. So if you're feeling depressed, you know, like, you know, in in your mind, Oh, I don't have to feel like this forever. This is (laughs) this working out can help with this, help out with this too. So, Hmm. so song, I want to circle back a little bit to yeah. motivation. Yes. When Lynn was talking about like the hard days, help us understand for you, what is your motivation? And I mean, is it, I mean, a lot of us, it's like, it's vanity a little bit, oh, I sure. Mean, right? Sure. Yeah. But is your motivation purely van- vanity or what is the mental picture that you have in your head yeah. when you are thinking about, gosh, this day is so hard and I don't want to get I don't want to get on the mat. I don't want mm-hmm. to you know, put in the miles or whatever it is. Like, how do you get past? I, I think yeah. I have, um, you know, early on, I think vanity for sure. That's, <laughs> that's a real thing. You know, can we just all be real? We want to look good. We want to feel cute. That's a very true experience. I think most women uh, have, but for me, it, it has gone a lot deeper. And I think the other motivations I have surpass that even. And I think primarily it's, I'm looking down the road. I'm looking at my forties and fifties coming up. And I just realized that, you know, I want to feel good. I want to have energy and I want to be there for my kids. And I can, I just won't have that. And I, you know, if there's something that I did learn until I was kind of going through this experience is that your bones actually quit regenerating when you're in your late twenties and they will not continue to regenerate and stay strong if they're not put under pressure and what puts them under pressure? Well, it's your muscles. And so if you're put, if you're strengthening your muscles, it puts pressure on your bones and reminds them to keep generating. And I mean, that's why people you know, down the road have back problems. That's why they have joint problems. That's why they have osteoporosis and all all kinds of things. And so in my family line, back problems are a real issue. And I just was realizing how weak I was and how already prone to aches and pains and lower back issues and throwing my back out. And I just needed to strengthen my stomach, my strength, strengthen my core and my back to be able to meet those challenges. Um, but beyond even that, I think probably what motivates me more than anything now is my kids mm-hmm. and being able to model for them a healthy lifestyle for them to see what it is to take care of your body and to value your body and to strengthen it and to be the best that you can be. I mean, that is just, I think, an invaluable thing that they're going to have if I can continue this and give them that that gift. Of, is this is the norm, um, and it's been neat to see. I mean, my kids would get up, get on the ground with me, and do these different floor routines. Mm-hmm. Not every day, but mm-hmm. um, you know, exercise and is is kind of a core value of our family now. We send our I homeschool my four oldest kids and. Uh, Every morning now, they first thing they do, they get up out of bed and they go run for a mile in the morning. 
And wow, he kind of hate it. Um, but my oldest one, my 11 year old, he's decided that he loves to run and he wants to do track and it just makes him feel really good. And he has, has had anxiety issues and it really helps with his anxiety and, and he just feels good and it makes his body feel good. And so I'm just feeling, seeing those little changes, those, that paradigm just really come into alignment with them. And that's, that's my hugest motivation, I think, is to model a healthy lifestyle for them to follow. Thanks so much for sharing, Song. Um, I would love to talk a little bit about how so many of us, myself included, I'm very guilty, are looking for the easiest route to results instead of like this deeper stuff that you're talking about. There is really a change in your mindset about who you are and how you value yourself. (laughs) And I just think that that's something important to talk about because I think if we're prioritizing fitness for the purpose of the results that we will get in a short amount of time, we're just setting ourselves up for failure. And, you know, for me, the one success I've had in the realm of fitness was a year that I had made a goal to walk or run 500 miles within a year's time, which I had never come Mm -hmm. anywhere close to that before that. But I ended Mm -hmm. up going 600 miles. It was a year before I had my fifth baby. And I just think that sometimes thinking about a larger goal, a larger perspective about the pursuit of fitness being kind of a pursuit of wholeness, not just am I exercising? Am I doing the nutrition routine? Am I, you know, kind of checking all the boxes, but am I Mm -hmm. allowing myself to move forward to whole care of myself? And I mean, that's kind Mm -hmm. of why to me, this topic really folds in nicely to the self-care topic, because I just think that prioritizing or intentionally pursuing wellness is something that is right on my radar right now because I'm at that point where my youngest is almost two and I'm feeling those same feelings of fear that I'm not going to be able to find something that works for me that I can stick with, that I may never regain the core strength that I'm sorely lacking right now. And I would love for you to just talk about how your perspective of discipline has changed, like self-discipline, as well as um, tips that you would offer for those of us who may be struggling in that place of still trying to pursue this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, discipline is has been a word that I've kind of hated most of my life. And I think I didn't have a proper understanding of what discipline was. And so I, I to me, discipline usually ended up in failure. And so I started to avoid discipline. I just didn't like that feeling of feeling like I I have a standard by which I'm measuring myself against and I'm not reaching that standard. That's what my idea of discipline was. Um, but throughout this process, I've really discovered how empowering discipline is mm-hmm. when you, when it's pursued in a healthy way. And, um, it's been amazing to see, like when I, watched myself go through this, um, you know, and was seeing my, my body and my mindset change. I was kind of like, wow, this is possible. Change is possible. Mm -hmm. I couldn't like, there was a part of Mm -hmm. me that really didn't know if change being changing as a person was really possible or if it was just some, you know, ideal that it could never be attained. And, um, to see that change was actually possible, I started to feel like, okay, what other areas of my life can I be more disciplined in? And what areas of my life can I apply these? I mean, I've been inspired by doing the very basic of taking care of my body. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like I have the mental and emotional courage Mm -hmm. to pursue it in other areas, you know, in homeschooling, um, in my personal time with the Lord and just really feeling like I can, I can extend this to other areas of my life and my finances. I can extend Mm -hmm. it to serving and whatever capacity. And so to watch my, myself go through this transformation, I, I really started to grasp a different meet a different definition of discipline. And so I, I encourage people just to wrestle with that word. What does that word mean to you? In what ways have you misapplied it? Um, in what ways do you think you can get back on the horse, you know, yeah. 
how can you train your body in small ways? And so does that answer a little bit of your question? I feel it like does. And I just think I, I love that you, you didn't say these words, but I'm thinking of it in these words now that discipline isn't necessarily a dirty word, that it's yeah. not something that <laughs> is right. there to set you up for failure. No, it's something to help you, help you yeah. so not yeah. to fail. And I think that's where I, I'm was misdirected. Hmm. Well, I just appreciate all your thoughts. And I hope that people who have not read the essays that you shared on the Kindred Mom blog will go and read them. The links Mm -hmm. for them will be in the show notes. And I just appreciate how openly you have shared uh, your experience because it brings me a lot of hope to know that change is possible, Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, the the little steps forward add up to a, a larger success, I guess. Mm. And um, so I just appreciate you sharing and thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. Yes. Thanks, ladies. I'm really pleased to be introducing a good friend of mine, Emily Green. She's a friend that I've been getting to know over the past year, and she appeared on episode 11 of the Kindred Mom podcast last year when our community was talking about grief and motherhood. And today she's back to talk to us a little bit about her proactive pursuit of wellness. Uh, Emily, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Emily. Thank you. Well, I'm so glad that you're here. And um, I would love for you to begin by sharing a little bit about your journey and how you have come to develop your personal passion for wellness? Mm, That's a great question. Um, So for starters, I live in Southern Oregon with my husband and we have three kids Mm -hmm. and Madison, who's high school senior and Josiah and Caleb, who are five and six, Mm -hmm. almost exactly two years ago. I was just thinking about it this week. Mm -hmm. I went through, you know, a pretty intense time and ultimately on January 8th was diagnosed with breast cancer. For me, cancer represented an urgent invitation mm-hmm. to look at my life mm-hmm. and to look at the whole my whole person. Mm-hmm. So, well, I am really glad to have you as a part of our series this month on self-care because you have been a voice in my mind over the last several months of just really urging me, coaxing me, encouraging me to really think about rest and how I can be balanced in my life as I pursue and do all of these things that I find life-giving and wonderful. Um, you're the voice that's like, have you been resting? <laughs> <laughs> those kind of yes. things. So I just so appreciate uh, the way that you have been a very gentle, but very, um, I think, effective encouragement to me as I am not good at this whole self-care thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what's interesting about pursuing this as a series for Kindred Mom is it's definitely not something that I decided on with my team because I have all this expertise in what this is or what it means. I've been doing a lot of soul searching over the last couple of weeks to tease out what is what is self-care really. And I have been very surprised by how deep that goes for me and how um, this is such a vulnerable but really important conversation to have that how we are doing, how we are physically doing, how we are emotionally and spiritually doing has a huge influence over how we can love our families well and serve the needs of our households. And so I am glad that we are having this conversation to just tease out some of the pursuit of wellness. And I have also with me today, Sarah Allard from our Kindred Mom team. And Sarah, I'd love for you to say hello as well. Hello. So good to be here. I'd love to get us started just talking about why is wellness important and what does wellness look like in a mama's life? Emily, if you want to speak to that. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that I have sort of a pivotal moment in my mind as I'm looking back at that winter and spring right after I was diagnosed. And I just dove in so deeply with a really open mind and open heart, researching in ways that I could support my healing process. And at one point I saw my acupuncturist and she said to me, I'm really good at listening to your body. And those words have really resonated for me and they've worn out to be very true. I think that as women, we often become very separate from listening to and really embracing who we are, how we are, what, mm-hmm. us, what nourishes us. And I think that um, I was 
and I'm really thankful in retrospect for this crash course, this urgent invitation that I had to really begin listening, begin exploring, and then finding the things that really resonated for me and then stepping into embracing and and choosing those as a part of my life. Mm -hmm. Now, I just think this is such an important conversation to have largely because there is a huge amount of energy that we pour out every day. And the thing that I have been thinking about for weeks now as I've been processing this series and trying to come up with some really practical, helpful tools for mamas who are in the same space that I am. Like I feel like I'm doing a lot of life and heart work in a short amount of time to try to bring something to the table that isn't just a a pat answer of like, you just do these five things and your life will be amazing. That there is kind of a deep investment. There's a a deep need for mamas to recognize, first of all, that they are humans, that they are not superhuman machines that have to go 24-7 for 18 years. Like we are human persons with real needs and real limitations. And I'm really bristling at the idea that we need to feel ashamed about that. (laughs) Like we do not need to feel ashamed that we have needs. And so as we're talking about wellness and the pursuit of of wholeheartedness, really, like, because we're not only talking about just get your fitness in order and get your nutrition not in right. order, like those are all part of a bigger conversation, a bigger thing in our lives. And Emily, I would love for you to talk a little bit about as you have stepped into proactively taking steps to just be well, how you have navigated the challenge and the tension of your family's needs versus what you know are your personal needs? Sure. I think that's an excellent question and an excellent point. So I think um, I, I, in my mind, start back at that place of really identifying and really understanding what are the things that nourish and fuel me? What are the most important priorities for me on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. And so I think as women, we have to first identify those things and, and kind of what they are. And for all of us, they're different. It's not prescriptive. And there isn't a list of, of five things that are ap- applicable for every woman. I think that we as women identify those things. And so I have that I have that list and my list changes every few months. And I actually have written a list that I put inside a really simple sheet protector and mm-hmm. are sort of my daily, daily tools that I've identified that nourish me in my mind and my body and my spirit each day. And so I have a lot of grace with implementing those, but I do know what those are. And so what that looks like is I have those in my mind as a priority for my day. And my mm-hmm. days are not um are not quiet. You know, I homeschool a five and six year old yeah. works for mm-hmm. my daughter. And so there is a level of busyness like we all as women have and as mamas just feel really, really pulled to pour out. And so that pouring out happens. And also what I know to be true is that self-care for me is not a dramatic or expensive outing. It's not a big trip to do something. Mm-hmm. It's really intentional, small meaningful choices that I build into my everyday. And so mm-hmm. those can look like a five minute pocket of time because I know that silence for me and quiet really important. And so not always super logistically feasible, but also really important. And so how, how do I make that happen? And I mm-hmm. think a big piece of that is really shifting and recognizing that we have so much capacity as women to determine and really be intentional in our days and kind of set the pace for our families and not in a way that like we have this incredible burden that we have to order our days perfectly, but we do get to create rhythms and schedules that work for everybody, including mom. Definitely. And, you know, take us back to how do you, Emily, create that margin to kind of look back and reflect on what your needs are, what your family's needs are. I mean, that really impresses me because I think so often I am just stacking my days and realizing that I need to come up for air. But what did that look like for you as you were first starting to create that margin and that time for reflection? And kind of, I don't know if there's anything ongoing you do to check in, whether it's that list or something else. That's a great question too. So I think, like I said in the beginning, in those first several months, there were, um, I blitzed out on all of these resources that I, that I dialed into and tools. And I, I determined a few that are really important for me. And so I can, I can tell when I, um, I'm not getting my myself like 
filled up or fueled after a couple of days. And so I think that list is really important for me because it's just a visual that can help me kind of check in. But also I do know that we have, so again, in the span of our days as mamas, I think that there is that margin because we have moments that are really intense. And I think, you know, the dinner time hour where we have kids that are arguing and food that needs cooking and all of those things that kind of can crash really heavy and really intense, but we can realize as we're in them that these are really hard moments that right now things are really busy and there's a lot that's being required of me, but that won't be the same two hours from now or three hours from now. And I think that for me, I recognize when I'm in the deep trenches of doing the hard work of mothering, it's hard work. And if I go like, yeah, this is hard work and embrace it for what it is. Know that Mm -hmm. 24 hours of the day aren't going to be hard work, that there are certain moments and certain hours even that are really intense and that are really depleting. But that if I know Mm -hmm. I've sort of been intentional about, for instance, after bath time and bedtime, and I set bedtime for the kids at a time that really feels good for me. Then after that, Mm -hmm. I can make a decision about what's going to be the next thing in the evening for me. And so I can, at that moment, often for me, it's a nice bath or it's another thing that I have kind of curated as these are really good things that are going to refresh my spirit and nourish my spirit and fill my cup, I guess. Yeah. I, I love all of your thoughts. I love just thinking about the things that you say because they're so practical. And I love that you talk about your own self-care measures, not as something extravagant or something that you do as a burst once a once a quarter or something like that but they're small daily faithful choices and I feel like that's a lesson that I'm learning in all the areas of my life that if I if I tend things in a sprint and not in marathon mode where I'm thinking about what is sustainable for me then that's when I crash and burn and that's really hard on my family for me to sprint and crash and sprint Mm -hmm. and crash and I think that's why just thinking about self-care and having you in my head and having a few other voices that have really invited me to really think about rest and think about the intentional pursuit of wellness in my life and those sort of things, why that's been so valuable to me in the last few weeks and months, because I'm tired of crashing and burning. (laughs) I want to figure out how, you know, understanding that we can't necessarily be in 90% self-care, 10% the rest of your life mode. But I just, I don't think that it has to be such a sprint and crash kind of cycle. Absolutely. I think I was just going to say, I think that really it's that longer vision that we have in our mind. So if we have this longer um, wellness for a lifetime, Mm -hmm. then it isn't a sprint. It really is this long and steady marathon. And I think like you said, mm-hmm. rest, I mean, rest is just so essential for us and it can be such a difficult choice. I know for me, it can feel like a sacrifice at night to cut things off and to turn the lights off and to get that rest. But knowing what I've learned and, and what we know about our bodies, it's just so important and so essential. So I think it really mm-hmm. kind of reminds me that self-care or culture's definition of self-care um, it doesn't resonate for me necessarily because self-care often for me looks like self-discipline and it looks like mm-hmm. decisions that I know are really the best ones for me mm-hmm. that don't necessarily mm-hmm. feel really pleasurable in the moment, <laughs> but mm-hmm. they're the best ones. It sounds like it's just so much of it is kind of a pacing throughout the day, throughout your life. And really, I mean, just prioritizing yourself and recognizing that first and then taking that step back. Like this is just so helpful to kind of have a paradigm shift that it's not like self-care just falls into place. I think sometimes we think that should just Mm -hmm. happen, but that it really does take putting it on the list. And actually on your blog a while back, you were talking about Wednesdays, Mm -hmm. how you loved your Wednesdays. And I wanted to read a quote because this just ties in so much to what you were just saying. You said, it's been so beautiful to shift away from what felt like an empty call or or culture for self-care toward an understanding of the deep richness of cultivating quiet, creativity, and restoration on this path of healing. These pockets of time are a gift, and this mama feels no guilt, only gratitude. And that just really resonated with me as you were talking about Wednesdays and how you had just a few quiet hours and what that looked like. And you were saying that there's no guilt, that there's freedom, because I think a lot of times we take that time and then we have that guilt. But talk to us when you come away Mm -hmm. from those times of self-care, 
what that looks like as a mama, that refreshing kind of how you see that play out in your family. Oh, I love that. And, and back to those Wednesdays, I think it's important for me to remember, and I don't have that day necessarily anymore, but what it started with was me um, thinking outside of the box because really like it can feel overwhelming because I, I do homeschool and, and the days are really full with people that are really with me all the time. And it was the encouragement of a girlfriend who said, wait, why don't you look at checking out this option for your boys for, for afternoons. And I sort of went, absolutely, yes. And also budgeting a little bit of money for it felt like a great choice. And those four hours were really so incredibly special. And so um, there is a level of refreshing. I think that we all just know how that can feel when we have really poured into, not just poured into, but really participated in things that nourish us. I think that a part of that is that creative process. I realized um, and just keep having this fresh reminder that we were created in God's image. In his image, he's a creative God and he's given us capacity to create. And I think that in creating, there's a lot of life giving as we are creating. And for all of us, that creative process looks different. But when we sort of identify what that may look like for us Mm -hmm. and devote some time to doing it, we are fueled because we're participating in this larger picture, um, which I believe is a spiritual picture of creating and life giving that God has really inspired in us. And so as we participate in that, we're really refreshed. I love that just image of how God is a creator and creating us to create and how also just how individual self-care looks like as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, maybe for one person it's painting, maybe for another it's writing or just getting out in nature, just that creativity piece that comes in, which is so important to think about. I would love um, if you could just take a step back and walk us through kind of what day-to-day self-care looks like. Maybe for somebody that's thinking, gosh, I don't know if I'm creative. I don't know what kind of big picture things might be really um, restorative for me. What is just maybe some simple kind of day-to-day things that you do to be intentional about self-care that somebody could take away and try? Um, so yeah, I, I think that, um, that picture looks, um, really broad and that it covers for me, it covers the physical and it covers, um, you know, the spiritual and, um, a big piece of that is, um, sort of my nutrition and eating and, and that is a part of my self-care. So I wake every day and always have just a nice glass of lemon water. Um, So there's a few like daily pegs that I have that are related to physical nutrition and healing and that kind of thing. And then there's others that, for, for instance, on my list of healing tools, I have quiet. I literally have the words soul stillness and soaking in God's presence. And so for me, that has looked different in different seasons based on the logistics of the day. But for sure, each day, there needs to be for me a pocket of time. Often it's in the mornings. But you know what? If it doesn't happen in the mornings, there's just grace for that. So whenever it can happen where I can sit down with the word, and with a journal, and just have a few moments of quiet, I think that we avoid quiet. And I think that we have so much distraction and noise that's just continually like racing through our days. And I think it kind of helps us just to race through our days and not really stop and pause. And I think that pausing and that quiet is when we really can experience God's presence. We can also really experience just this calming in our spirit and a clarity about the next steps. So a lot of clarity that comes in quiet, I found. And I think that that's just kind of an essential part of the day. I think as we think of the day, we think of the doing, but we also need to think of the being like that piece that's not driven by productivity or doing the next thing, packing off the the, the thing that's going to be the best thing. It's a lot of it's not that a lot of it is pulling back. A lot of it's embracing the quiet and, Mm -hmm. and finding that in creative ways. I think what I realized is that there is nobody else that has the responsibility to make the decisions for me or to solve that mm-hmm. solve them for me, really. Yeah. I the one with both the burden and the gift to orchestrate and to implement. And so as soon as I let everybody else in, in my world off the hook and realize it's really on me yeah. and, and do this in ways that that are not impacting anybody negatively, but but that I but that I get to do them. And yeah. see as that I get to and 
this opportunity that I have to shape rhythms of our days in order that there are pockets for me. So for instance, my boys still do take a rest every day. Now they don't sleep, but they listen to podcasts and I figured out creative ways so that they will be in their room for one hour. So, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Well, there's another quote from your blog that I pulled out that I really resonated with. It says, we have the deep gift and profound opportunity to become really good at listening to our own bodies, to -hmm. discern and pay close attention from that place of attentive love. We step boldly and joyfully into the best choices for us with love and gratitude, not fear. I feel like you're talking about this from another angle a little bit, but I just feel like the invitation to fully take personal responsibility for how we're doing is honestly kind of a revolutionary idea this month. Not that I didn't think I wasn't, you know, in charge of my my own life because I know that it's up to me, but in a sense of like my own flourishing, I feel like it's really easy to point to the circumstances around me or That's other right. people in my life who might not be cooperating with what I think it right. look like. Um, and that I really do have a lot more influence and say in what my day unfolds like if I pay attention to the choices that I'm making. I love that you talk about listening to our bodies because that's something mm-hmm. that's a little bit of a disconnect for me. I, I think that... I have a very overactive heart space and I'm thinking all the time. And there are ways that I have pursued my personal wellness kind of more from a spiritual standpoint than a physical one. But right now I'm at that spot of, okay, well, does the inside match the outside? (laughs) And so I guess I'm particularly inspired by just the daily, small, faithful choices that I can make going forward to honor the body that I've been given. And I just love what you said about taking responsibility for your own self-care, knowing that someone else can't do it for you. Yes. And also just giving yourself the freedom to stop. I mean, I really, that stands out to me that just giving yourself that gift of that quiet each day to check in Mm -hmm. is so countercultural, especially as mamas, because one, there's always more to get done. I have to remember that, you know, it's more dishes, more laundry. And also in the season of little ones, I've never craved quiet so much. Mm -hmm. That really resonates with Mm -hmm. my heart. And, um, I know Emily Green that both Emily Allen and I have benefited so much from you, just your quiet way of going about things and, um, challenging us in just quiet, kind individual ways of saying, Hey, are you slowing down? I mean, I remember when I had my baby girl, you said, Hey, are you, are you sleeping enough? Like just so gentle. And, but I really needed that at that time because she was sleeping, but I wasn't being disciplined and that. So, um, I'm just curious in your own life, what does that look like with other mamas? How do you encourage or check in or kind of, what does that look like to spur other mamas on to self-care? What that looks like, um, for me is I'm really thankful for just some really sweet, um, really vulnerable friendships that I share. And I think in those, um, I do feel just constantly compelled to encourage toward this place of um, nourishing our bodies. And I love doing it. And um, Well, it seems like it comes really naturally. And what I really appreciated is it came from, you could tell a place of love and also just asking a question. I think, you know, there's a difference between judging another mama because we don't know their walk versus just saying, Hey, are you okay? And I just really, I know I personally appreciate that. It's just kind of reaching out that hand, just saying, I see you, I care. And I just think that that's something I really took away that as mamas, we can just, we can't control what other women do, but just checking in and saying, are you Mm -hmm. really doing okay? is an important question to ask. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Emily, I just appreciate you sharing from your experience and I appreciate also your friendship and the way that you have invested in me and just supported Kindred Mom this past year. It's been really wonderful to have your encouragement along the way. And I'd love for you to share where other mamas can find your writing online so they can connect with you. Thanks. Um, EmilyRGreen.com is where I very occasionally blog. Mm-hmm. Well, um, thanks so much for your time and we'll be in touch. Thank you so much, Emily and Sarah. Both guests on today's episode talked about self-discipline, which was entirely unplanned, but it rings in my mind as something to pay attention to. It isn't trendy or easy 
or really what many of us had in mind when we started talking about the topic of self-care. But self-discipline is something that can bring about freedom and flourishing. Years ago, I heard a speaker talk about the idea that every time you interact with someone, you are actively building or breaking trust with them. You build trust by being attentive, encouraging, and listening well, or you erode that trust by showing up late, being distracted by your phone, offering advice out of turn, or not really listening to what they have to say. I think this same concept applies to self-care, and with every small daily decision about how we eat, rest, exercise, and create margin or white space in our lives, we are either actively contributing to or robbing from our overall personal wellness. That means that as you make daily choices, you are either investing or borrowing from your future self. The decisions we make can either go in the bank to serve us well later, or they can be a penny dropped in a wishing well that might gratify in the moment, but ultimately provides no return. I have personally struggled to prioritize self-care for many years. Through seasons of grief, loneliness, depression, and broken relationships, through six pregnancies and more than a decade of mothering around the clock, I have eaten not what nourishes me, but whatever momentarily quells the hunger. I have scrolled on my phone to hide from responsibilities. I have traded rest for productivity in a search for significance. I have excused myself from having to see that the woman who looks back at me when I stand in front of the mirror is lovely, valuable, and worthy of physical and spiritual care. But I can't do that anymore. I am no longer willing to run on that hamster wheel trapped in a cycle of always feeling exhausted, empty, and frustrated about the challenges in front of me. I am making self-care a priority, and I'm inviting you to do the same. Along with my team, I've created something I think will help you get started. I am personally going to use it, and I hope you will find it useful as well. It's a series of worksheets, a self-care questionnaire that might help you get thinking about what is and isn't currently working for you in this area, and then a self-care action items worksheet where you can fill in the ways you plan to take steps forward. To get your copy, subscribe to the Kindred Mom email list. The link is in the show notes for this episode, and I'm sending it out this week to current subscribers. Soon, I'll be consolidating all of the free resources our team has created for this community into one easy-to-access library for our subscribers, so I really hope that you'll jump onto that list. I'm so grateful to Marilyn Song Harry and Emily Green for sharing their wisdom on the show today. I'm grateful for my wonderful team, Sarah, Lynn, and Jenny, and the support they give to me. Links to everything can be found in the show notes. Mamas, May we listen to our bodies and make choices that honor ourselves and our families. May we respect the power of small decisions and recognize that the desire to be strong, to have adequate rest, to have a sense of purpose and vision and peace for ourselves is not unattainable. May we see ourselves as lovely, valuable, and worthy of healthy self-care habits. 